get in here. So I'm kind of going flying blind without an audio check on myself. Oh, yeah, so, that's yeah, you do. All right, so I guess uh, every project starts with like a episode one, I guess, unless it's Star Wars, and then it started at like episode four or something, and then so yeah, so this is episode four <laughs> or one. So, first ever uh, podcast, um, Ear Bash is what this is called, right? Which we've agreed upon after much consternation. I'm, I'm talking through the video camera. Video camera. Nice. So, anyway, first ever episode. I'm Tread. That's Holden. I'm like a dad. He's like my son. And we thought... We always just talk about uh, various sundry uh, bullcrap over lunch or text messages or whatever. So wonder if we just recorded those things and turned it into like this podcast. Because I hear, I'm not sure, I hear people are into the podcast. You heard that? I've heard, um, hey, do you want to be on my podcast is the equivalent to do you want to start a band? Oh, really? Yeah. So, do you think that, like, back when we, and when I say we, I mean guys in my generation, talked about having a band, I wonder if podcasts are exactly the same, where first you need, like, a name of your podcast. Before you even think about what you're going to talk about, yeah. you really need a name. Same yeah. with a band, you really need a cool band name. And then in my case, you needed, like, a logo. Because if you had the name, you had to have, like, what that name was going to look like yeah. on the front of the T-shirt. And then, and also in my case, you had to know what your outfit was going to look like. Because in my case, it was all about Kiss. <laughs> so if I was going to start a band, it had to have a logo that looked like the Kiss logo, but it wasn't the Kiss logo. And I had to have cool suits that weren't exactly like Kiss but we're in the same vein of like a kiss, but obviously cool. Well, maybe the outfit wasn't a big deal in the podcast. <laughs> oh, you, don't think, yeah. you don't think like, hey, you want to be on my podcast and then you guys get together and sketch your outfits yeah. for the podcast? No, probably not. Oh, okay. Well, some things change. But the, the name... Some things stay the same. The name and the logos, once you draw people in, then you can do anything okay. you want. So, I mean, I'm all about the marketing aspects of it. It's less about the content. Very much like Kiss. <laughs> uh, so, which is a perfect transition on how to start the show, which is let's talk about um, music or bands or even a song that you can recollect, like the very first moment where you felt like music or a band or a song like mattered. And I mentioned Kiss, and, and all joking aside, that was kind of, you know, I'd had, I had like a really crappy record player. I had had singles, you know, hit song singles my whole life through kind of the elementary school age. And then I had access to like older records and stuff, family records and stuff like that. I listened to it all, but it wasn't like I was completely into it. Until Kiss. 
You, you remember like some sort of song or? Yeah, I remember, like I remember before I really ever got into music, like I was only listening to like the terrible kind of stuff in middle school. Not terrible, but. Like just, pop radio or whatever. Yeah, which isn't necessarily bad. Yeah. yeah. But um, I do have the memory of mom having me paint the fence outside and for some reason I was like I guess I was trying to listen to more music I remember listening to um, rock and roll by Velvet Underground and then like Sweet Jane like that album and like I remember like thinking while I was painting the fence like being like wow this is not at all like anything I've ever heard before and then like from that like I'm pretty sure the next day like the next day I was paying the fence and I listened to heroin was like the first song off uh, the Nico album I listened to and like seven minutes or however long it is with like just that long passage of just like droning almost and I was like wow this is uh this is a little bit different right I mean it's I mean as much as Kiss seemed like a joke now, um, when I was like, yeah, I think I was in between maybe sixth grade and seventh grade, and I never heard of Kiss. I had heard, I'd listened to a lot of, of kind of, I won't call it pop metal because it definitely has its place, but things that had kind of ventured on the radio that were heavy, like Deep Purple, um, Smoke on the Water, I can remember that single, Alice Cooper, I remember like the No More Mr. Nice Guy. I loved magazines, music magazines in particular, just because these outlandish photos of you know people looking like they were living their best life but this this kid moved into the neighborhood who I met his sister first because I think she started school with us but I think he was older than her and he must have stayed I think they moved from Frankfurt or Franklin County or something so he stayed there in like uh, till summer and so then he shows up and he's a little bit older and a little bit wiser, a little more worldly. And I remember him telling me about this band. And blows fire, uh, spits blood, one looks like a spaceman. And basically all these tales that he was telling me were literally from Kiss Alive, the album, came with like a kind of a paper booklet I think with it like in the album yeah, yeah. and you saw these pictures of Kiss live doing all these things but him telling me it was like he had seen it even though you know in hindsight obviously he had just looked at that thing and it's describing it and I was like it sounded so outlandish and over the top that I couldn't wait to actually see and hear it and so I had not ever heard Kiss, but I was already becoming like semi-obsessed with Kiss. And yeah. I remember picking up like Hip Parader magazine, 
Cream magazine and seeing pictures of them. And I finally made it the whole 15 miles to Lexington to like the record store and bought Kiss Alive. And then it was, it's what's so, you know, it's a generational thing with music being so accessible now. Listen to it on your phone, listen to it on your car, on your phone, or on your laptop, or whatever. You stream it, you don't ever have to like put the needle to the vinyl or whatever. Whereas I bought Kiss Alive, and for the next six months, yeah, you play your favorite side over and over again, you get tired of it, you go all the way to side four because it was like a double album, you know. Yeah. And side four is where you got like the lesser songs and whatever, and then. You know, it was so trite and juvenile because you just literally pick who your favorite dude is in the band and then you're worried more about the songs that he sings or whatever. And then I instantly gravitated towards Ace and the lead guitar. And at the time, I didn't even know what a lead guitar was. I didn't know that a lead guitar and a rhythm guitar were only different by the guy playing. I was more like, I've got to give myself a lead guitar. Yeah. So, so that was like my first kind of like soiree into feeling completely semi-obsessed and motivated towards music. And, and it was pretty, I don't know, it was pr- pretty truncated for a while towards Kiss. Like, it was Kiss Alive, then Kiss Destroyer, then Kiss Rock and Roll Over, then Kiss Love Gun, and then by that time, Kiss Live 2, and then I was done. Yeah, I was pretty, looking back, I was pretty lucky with, like, you and Mom, like, Mom playing Modest Mouse, like, perpetually in the car. Like, I remember that a lot, and, like, I remember, I think you had a CD, like, I remember the song, uh, I Had a Dream Last Night butthole surfer song so like that stuff's a lot like even though during the time I probably didn't even realize it but like it was more than just like radio always in the yeah I mean I I can see where you would probably not even you know it would just be the common thing that you would think if I'm playing the butthole surfers it wouldn't be you would think well that's probably on the radio it's probably a song that might end up on the radio yeah yeah like I had no especially because I was really young like no concept of like this might be a little more out there than your top 40 or whatever but yeah so it's like looking back it's like that was when I was really young and then like I went through like in middle school like listening to all the like radio and stuff like that and then I kind of like changed again once I got into high school and where I am now it's just kind of like always evolving or it's like if you tell me some of the things I was listening to back when I was like 13 or 14 I'd probably be like that's bad but yeah. you think that, I mean I'm, I'm absolutely guilty of Phases, especially with music where it's style over substance. I think that's a part of my generation. So we, I kind of went from like the kabuki showman stuff to us, and then immediately when Kiss got old and stale, I was the perfect opportunity for the next. 
because yeah. she had a weird haircut. Yeah. And it kind of starts with just, I mean, the initial, like, what the what normal people in central Kentucky had the opportunity to hear about early on was, you know, probably tabloid stories about the Sex Pistols. It's hard to fathom, but, like, the Sex Pistols would be, like, in National Enquirer and the Globe. They would just do these stories, like, about the Sex Pistols spitting on people and blowing snot on people yeah. and and all of that kind of stuff. Little, and, and they didn't know how to play their music, and they had stupid haircuts, they had safety pins everywhere. So it was more like, hey, look at these freaks. And I think what a lot of us did was like, oh, there's freaks. I want to find out more about these freaks. Yeah. And that's kind of how I got into realizing there's radio music, there's different genres of music, and then there's this whole other underbelly of things that you have to kind of seek out. Yeah. I mean, I feel like... Just being me, I feel like I was always, I never liked the whole, like, big showmanship, like, costume kind of thing. But, like, saying that at the same time, like, that was still part of, like, why I started listening to, like, or started trying to find more stuff out about, like, the Sex Pistols and stuff like that was all part of it. But I guess, like, the more, not cliche, but, like, the Ramones all wearing leather jackets and right. with the haircuts right. and like kiss. I don't know. It's like the idea of that always kind of like I didn't like that. Now because now it's easier to look back on yeah. and see the cartoonishness of yeah, it. Whereas at the time there wasn't, you know, there was the New York Dolls and there was kind of Bowie, Alice Cooper. They were they were you know. Alice Cooper was doing kind of a, a glam rock meets horror rock. Yeah, like Boy was doing kind of the glam thing. And and so we were, it, all of those things were new at the time. They weren't, you didn't feel like they were aping each other. They were all kind of doing their own individual thing. Like, like it's funny for me to think about the Ramones now and, look, and think about the leather jackets and jeans and Chuck Taylors and T-shirts. and It looks like a costume. At the time, it was so anti-rock star to look the way that they looked that it didn't seem like a costume. It seemed like a rebellion towards the glamorous guy. Towards a rebellion towards like Bowie and costumes. Ultimately, they had their own costume, but at the time we didn't realize it was such a costume. We thought it was like a working class, yeah, New Yorker thing. You know, it was kind of kind of weird to look back on it now I was and it, I mean this is sacrilege but at the time I remember listening to the first Ramones album and I had listened to so much 50s and 60s class, classic stuff from like my grandmother's record collection yeah. that I almost didn't care about the Ramones because it sounded so similar to the stuff I'd grown up on. I didn't instantly grab because although it was different at the time for what was going on in the music, it wasn't different from really what I listened to most of my life. So I didn't instantly go, oh, this is cool. I just thought, oh, these are songs like Gene Vincent and some other stuff. 
from all of the old records that were around the house all the time. So I didn't instantly gravitate I guess that's just one example. I feel like that was always like a, a like a stepping point kind of band, or like a band that like I was like, oh, this exists, but like it was like from that point on, it was on to like something broad as not as uh, I hate to say gimmicky, but right. I mean like well, and, and this is to talk down to like rage or generation, but I think it's like. same way that, you know, I had to, in some screwy way, pay my dues and listen to Chuck Berry and Chubby Checker and then gravitate towards Kiss. And it's like, you just kind of, we generally don't have an appreciation for underground music without almost, you know, and you usually have to go through a cycle of various things that have been considered. Everyone agrees that the Ramones are good, or everyone agrees that this era in music was good. So you kind of immerse yourself in what's everybody talking about. It's weird for me to even think. Seventy-eight, on through the eighties of like these these bands that are now <laughs> to you they must seem like I uh, I think about it in this way like I I remember in the eighties when there was like a resurgence of like rockabilly like the Stray Cats and bands like that that were yeah. kind of based on fifties music and I was thinking about my relatives who were alive during that time it seemed like so many eons ago in my mind's eye like yeah it's the 80s and this is music from the 50s wow that's 30 years ago and you guys listen to that it seems so old and antiquated and now 2018 think about 1980 i can't do the math but it seems like a long time ago yeah that's do you think of it that way i mean when you hear like Oh, this band was cool in the 80s. Do you look at them like in an eye-rolling kind of... I mean, it's like... It depends on the band because, like... I think everyone now, especially, like, people my age, like, when we hear a term, like, that's 80s music, like, you automatically, like, flash to bright lights and... You think of it... Is disco or new wave? More like, yeah, more new wave. I would say it's like the immediate, like, oh, this sounds like it's from the 80s. Right. Like, stuff like that, which doesn't mean it's bad, but it's like, when I think about stuff like that, stuff I never really, really, really got into. Like, but then, I mean, when you say something like Black Flag, Black Flag is the 80s, and of course that was a whole different right kind of scene or whatever but like that's I don't roll my eyes at that at all like when you're saying they're from the 80s but 
it's the interesting thing about like some of those bands, like how few people truly knew about those bands when they were happening. Like, there were pockets in every town, every you know, medium to large size city of kids who were aware of. And like personally, I can, even with pop centric like new wave stuff. I was I could be like a fan of like Black Flag but also a fan of like the cars. Yeah. Because even though the cars might have made it to the radio, they were still avant-garde and different and making different music. Although, you know, they were having some sort of label success and some sort of national success. Much different than Black Flag who were yeah. loaded in a band with like garbage bags full of thrift store clothes and mapping their own way across the country and playing basements American Legion halls. It's quite a bit different than the cars getting shoved on a tour with bands who they really don't have anything in common with, but they still might be playing with them. Yeah. I don't know, it's weird. It's weird to talk about like, music on all the different levels of how it cycles through genres and popularity and underground and underbelly because now I think once you kind of discover that you like music that's kind of off the beaten path you begin to uh, resents the wrong word but you you just kind of ignore everything else going on in the yeah. in the mainstream music world and I have you know, it's judgmental, but you end up just kind of having like a scorn towards popular music to some extent. Yeah, and it's like when you get like that and it's like we probably sound this way like exactly now with some of the stuff we say, but it's like it's so it's just so much. It's very impossible to come across sounding like not pretentious, yeah. like I'm not like. I hate radio music. Right. Pop is terrible. Mainstream is terrible. I hate it all. It's like, um, it's just hard not when you talk about anything like that to make it sound like you're not looking down yeah. on people, which like I don't. Like I have my tastes and right. whatever, but it does, especially when you start, if you start liking like these small or like small genres or like stuff that's like so underground or like so just out there it's like if anyone like if you're like i actually like that then it's like comes across like wow you like that just to be right different you like that just to be like wow well it does become a little bit of art for art's sake you don't know how to judge you know, when it comes to extreme musical taste, it's tough to judge what's good and what's bad. I mean, you kind of go on feel. Where I think pop music and some pop stars, I think I can, I can sometimes analyze how I feel about them based on the individual. Like, let's pick like a name. Let's pick like a Bruno Mars, who yeah. is immensely successful on the radio, Grammys, People's Choice Awards, Super Bowl performances. Not a fan of his music, but I do think he has integrity towards what he does. He writes his own music, hellacious performer. Yeah. So I can look at that and go, you know, not my thing, but 
he stands for a lot of things I can't stand about music, which is, you know, a popularity contest, and it's really just meant to sell advertising on pop radio and all those things, but he still seems like a guy with integrity. On the flip side of that, I'll hear, you know, God, I don't want to be, I don't want it to turn into like boys versus girls or whatever, but I'll hear, you know, like some pop song on the radio and it's obviously one of those things where it's created in a studio by the same probably 10 songwriters who write every pop song and deliver them to an artist and a producer puts together all the music and they just become the face of it for a little while and it's not to say they shouldn't do that or just whatever they want to do is fine but it's not much integrity in the fact that they're not really an artist. They're just kind of a person who's delivering this month's pop message for everyone. And that's where it starts getting, where you get pretentious and you don't even want to discuss it because you just feel like, you know, how, do, how does anyone make it anymore in actually creating music when we already now have like some <laughs> scientific formula on how songs should, should sound in order for them to be popular? Yeah, I mean, that's hard because I don't have anything against that stuff. I mean, like, I won't I mean, like... Everybody's got to make a living, right? Exactly, like, I don't ever seek out listening to that, but I mean, um, I have no problem with it because obviously millions of people like yeah, that stuff. Yeah. And it's and, been going on since, you know, since... You know the radio was invented like what can we put on it that's pleasing to people yeah and it's like we're gonna write this song you'll record it we'll make millions like and then you can go on tour and then you'll make right more millions like i'm not like against i mean like right i, it's, right. I can't look and be like you shouldn't do things for money True. it's not about that no, just because it comes across as um, pretentious, or do you do you think in terms of um, you ever think about bands and whether do you, do you even consider bands sellouts? <laughs> like if they hit a certain level of success, are you happy about that? I'll give you a little bit of my point of view on that. I can again. This sounds like the old man talking, but it is the old man talking. You know, I lived through where, where especially underground bands who tried to have integrity, who wanted to do it a certain way, were constantly worrying about the perception that somehow they weren't being true to their craft, that they were selling out. So now it's nothing for you to flip on TV and there's a, you know, Subaru commercial and there's a song that you really like, that you appreciate, you know the artists are people with integrity, but there they are selling a car. And no one cares. They tap their toe, they enjoy the song, oh look, there's a shiny Subaru, and no one cares. In my lifetime, there were bands, Black Flag, Dead Kennedys, Fear, a lot of punk bands that had catchy, punk songs that Converse might want yeah. or Levi's might want. And the thought of those folks allowing their songs to be used in a commercial sense to sell a product 
It was like the third rail of punk. Like, you just did not do it. And then you, you go to maybe the biggest story and all that, which is like Nirvana. The underground band becomes huge. Want to keep their credibility. Everyone wants a piece of them. They go from playing dive bars and, and next thing you know, their arena tour. And the band is looking out at fans. for almost because they didn't care about that kind of music yeah, two years prior and the guys in the band are concerned whether they seem like sellouts because they don't have an album song awards TV and they still want this punk rock kind of aura about them and I think they kept it but it was a constant Like them, dislike them, or they sell out. And you guys, you guys even think about bands in that way anymore because the business itself is changing. Well, I think about like when I was when I read that book, I think be your life or whatever. Brian, like I'm getting into a lot of these bands that the book's talking about. It's like I thought about it. And I was like, wow, like if that's me one day. I never want to, I never want to quote sell out. I never want to do all this, right. but it's like, there's a public enemy line yeah, from Chuck D who just goes, you think we'll sell out? If we do, we'll get the hell out. <laughs> I mean, that's, that was the nineties version of if you were a credible person, you didn't take money from the man sort of thing. But it's like also looking like that band taught, like, um, there, that book talks about like who's could do and the replacements, how right. eventually you know they signed to Warner Brothers. And I think sometimes it's somewhat disingenuous to be like, um, I hate that, they're like, I hate that they do that because it's like saying, I hate that they took what they love doing and found out how to make a lot of money, or found right. out how to, which is like, or they they made stuff so well that people liked it yeah and <laughs> besides like, me yeah. yeah and it's like i'm still guilty of it today even being like i don't want this band to to sell out or to get big and it's like i feel guilty even it's like you see that on youtube all the time like if you're watching like a video of like a band or listening to an album that might not be super big there's like all these comments like really right. hoping this band doesn't blow up i want this band to be my secret or sure, whatever sure and it's like that i mean i think that's the that's it exactly and you like i totally like you're in on the secret i totally like get that but at the same time i'm like i feel like that's almost means like you're hoping for the like you're hoping that the band doesn't attain a certain level of success where they're making a lot of money right. and lots of people are hearing it, which is like a constant back and forth. It's like, well, you wonder the people want, people want that, whatever they connected with, with the band, they want it to seem almost singular. Like I get it. And yeah. the small group of people get it. But the minute everyone begins to get it, it doesn't feel as unique. And unfortunately, what bands do that play into it a little bit is 
with better production and more people around them and a different set of values and life experience now that they've kind of made it, their songs begin to reflect that. R.E.M.'s the classic example to me for as a band that I absolutely loved. I thought were the greatest American band at at, at the first three albums. And then as people caught on to them, wasn't that I thought really that they were any less as a band. It's just as more people got into them, I got less into them. And then the band's life experiences changed, and then they discovered mandolins and accordions, and they stopped playing rock music, and they were bored with whatever they had been Bands want to do that. Musicians like to experiment and mature and do different things. They want to write the same album. Yeah, but, you know, as a fan, especially at that time, it's like, can't you just do five more fables of the reconstruction? Just yeah. write some weird southern gothic rock songs and write them forever. Yes. And sometimes it it's like feels like looking at it from the outside it's like there's almost no extreme like right path they can take they can make the same album and have the same amount of fans and they'll probably hate it like the band will or they they get to a certain level of success where they're like they have original fans being like man I remember liking this band before they sold out or it's like like they do something where they start making different kinds of music and you know the original fans are like wow I wish they just stayed with this or they're trying to be something different which is like it just feels like sometimes no matter what decision they make it's just like it will never be right or quote right on all um, sides of it like Black Flag never like they never attained like the huge commercial success especially at the time but it's like they, they still had people hating them like when they released like My War and yeah. stuff like that. As they changed. Yeah, and it's like, so it's people like, hated them. they still don't attain like the level of success where they're ever, I mean, they're still sleeping in a van every night, but it's yeah. still, they're playing shows where people are hating them because they're like, just play Rise Above. Right. <laughs> the whole time. I want to slam dance. Yeah. What's all this dirty music? And David Yao, the Jesus Lizard, he, um, during a lot of the debate about uh, Kurt Cobain and the Nirvana audience and Kurt, I guess, vocalizing in interviews and stuff, some sort of almost resentment towards some of the fans in the audience. Guys that would, at one point, would call him fag when they were, you know, pushing away to the front to get the Budweiser and scream, it smells like he's good. But Yao's take on it in classic David Yao was if you don't want people to like the music and don't want people to get into what it is you're doing, then stay in the basement. Don't come out. Don't let anyone hear it. And just wallow in it and you enjoy it for yourself. And there's some truth to that. You can't necessarily control who's going to like what it is you do and I think credible bands and good bands get into trouble when they start trying to figure out 
what kind of audience they want. Yeah. What will their audience like? I bet the audience will really like this, or I bet they'll be this one cool group of dudes who really dig this song. It's like once once you cave into that, you can pretty much believe that it's gonna suck. <laughs> I mean it's yeah. eventually just gonna suck. Yeah. I mean, we're all guilty of like loving band's first album. Yeah, and then it's yeah. And then we discover that first <laughs> album and, and it's cliche, but I mean you think about it, that band had their whole life to write the first album. And then from that album on, it was all this compressed yeah. time to get the next thing done. And it's kind of that way with your first movie, <laughs> with your first album, you know, with your first painting. You've got you've had all your whole life experience to shove into that first project. Yeah. And then that's the rest true. of it, you know. And I think that's why, especially if you're a music snob and a nerd about it. We always go back to that first album. And maybe it's not always the first album. Maybe it's the first album you've heard. That's always your favorite album of that band. But yeah. it is one of those kind of screwy just things you do. It's like, yeah, I like them now, but I really dig the first album. Yeah, that's why, that's why maybe Slint had the right idea to release the first album and then release Spiderland and then just be done. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are there there are quite a bit of bands like that there that you know. Funny thing is, at, at the time, you can't predict if you're going out on top. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because again, the audience will make that decision for it for you. Was you know, did you go out on top or did you just go out and no one cared? Yeah, I'm sure when. I mean, I'm sure when Tweez came out, it's not like it's not like they had any sort of renaissance or like. I'm sure when they released Tweez, it wasn't like, wow, we made it. Like, I yeah. mean, it was like, we released the album, okay. Like, yeah. It's not like... Well, and I don't know enough about the history of that album. I'm sure it's not hard to, to find out about. But my feeling from that album is they borrowed money from their parents and family and all that stuff to get that album done and get it out there. And it was like what most bands do, which is... We do, again, it was generational and goes back in time because now, you know, it's stupid and cliche, but like cut an album this afternoon and if you're motivated enough by the end of the week, it's online available for everyone if that's what you chose to do. Yeah. Whereas back then, you wallowed in a basement and you mowed lawns or whatever it is you did for money as a group and you all pulled it together and then you went and paid some guy who generally had little interest in what you were doing and surely didn't care about it the way you cared about it. Yeah. You're asking that guy, can you record this for us? And, you know, you're Slint's lucky because, you know, it worked out the way it worked out. Yeah. And, but every great bands right here in this town in Lexington they were, um, they all went to the same place in town to record because there was only one place to record. And uh, it was out on the drag strip and uh, they went out there and they recorded. And it was, you know, I, I don't, I, the name escapes me, the guy that recorded a lot of the local bands, super nice guy. 
I was out when Vale of Tears recorded out there. I hung out out there and watched some of the process. But, you know, that guy, Vale of Tears is trying to do one thing. They practice in a room. They play live. And then they got to go to just a recording studio where the guy records country bands and rock yeah. bands and television commercials. And and they don't have a producer. They're producing it themselves. And they've somehow got to manage to get all the things that they feel and want to do onto like this this tape at the time um, and out the other end. And they got a limited amount of money, which means they have a limited amount of time to work on it. And uh, the fact that any of that stuff comes out and sounds good <laughs> is a testament because you just don't have full buy-in from whoever's working on the project with you yeah. unless you luck into it, you know? Yeah. The guy's so impressed with you that he's going to put in a little more than just, all right, push play and record. You guys hit it. Yeah, that's true. It's a music's a it's a it's it's an interesting topic that I mean that's why there's probably a million people on podcasts talking about music, but what makes it interesting for fans of music is there's no no cut and dry about yeah. what you gravitate towards. When I've, I've been moments in my life where I've just went the opposite of music where I was like more intrigued by um, just what can only be classified as just noisiness yeah. like I don't care if there's any melody in it it's like what's the idea that you're trying to play well, yeah, what's the, still, what's the yeah. notion what's the emotion that you want me to feel I don't want I don't want to get hung up on your words I don't want to get hung up on Story. I'm loading something. I want to figure it out. What it is. And, uh, I think it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of counterintuitive, but it's like the darkest times in my life. That's I wanted to get darker. Like so I didn't want to brighten up my day. Yeah, that's. I wanted to yeah. come out the other side of it. You know, yeah, yeah, I, I definitely. That. I mean, that's still, that's still thinking about that is appealing to me. Like, just like at a point where it's just all the, just complete, where if you like you handed the headphones to someone else, or maybe someone who has never listened to stuff like that before, and it's like, they're just like, taken aback almost or like this isn't music right as <laughs> always but like yeah that em emotion part Keep talking of it. make sure we're still running I mean, it is its own, noisy music is its own little, I mean, we could do a whole show just on that, and I'm sure eventually we'll get around to just talking about it, but it's, uh, it is one of those things where um, you have to be, you have to be 
willing to be mentally challenged by what it is you're listening to. You know, it, you're not going to go back and the rest of the day, you're not going to be humming it. You know, it's not, it's not one of those kind of things. So what are you listening to right now? Like what's, what are you into like this week? Hmm. Well, I, t- I told you I've been listening to Swirly's album. Right. Like, I forgot what it's called. The first, the first one. I no, think. of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, first Swirly's. Okay. Um, Tweeze on vinyl that right. mom got me. Um, actually, the other night, me and a couple of my friends were listening to White House out of nowhere. Right. Um, I have a friend who like really likes some of their stuff, and I hadn't listened to it in a long time. And I was like, I hadn't listened to it, I think, since you showed it me that one time. Like, right. Listen to this. And, um, yeah. Is it? I've told you my connection to him, right? I think to so. Peter Sotos. Yeah. Which is probably, if you if you get on your uh, World Wide Web internet browser, don't search the name Peter Sotos at work, probably. Infamous writer, uh, member of White House, and at one point worked with Albini, Steve Albini, and put out a pretty crazy CD called Buyer's Market. And uh, we had sent our demo tape to Alvini and he and Sotos listened to it together. And then that got Sotos interested in what we were doing so he sent Buyer's Market to us and wrote some of it. And, and George and I began to correspond back and forth with him for a while. Sotos is pretty infamous because he's a, he writes true crime narrative uh, fiction, which involves a lot of nonfiction within the writing. He will write in the first person, which has really clouded the issue uh, for many authorities. Is this fiction? Is it non-fiction? Did you do all of these things? Yeah. Or are you just writing? So his books have been banned many times. Most of his publications have been limited press and they're a small fortune now when you go to buy them. Sure, yeah. um, his most famous book, well, he's got a couple famous ones, but probably the most famous is he kind of dove into the, um, the Ramsey case. With John Bonet and really the over-sexualization of children, mm-hmm. and it's pretty dark. Really. But um, always a, a great appreciation for White House and for what he was trying to do. And I do see you guys an artist, even though at times he can challenge even the most open-minded person when you go to go reading the stuff. But I urge you if you're into. Uh, uh, dark subject matter. Seek out uh, White House or Sotos. So you guys were listening to White House. What was the? What, what was everyone? Everyone like, all right, man, thumbs up on the White House. Well, <laughs> well, um, one of my friends like really likes some. Like I think it was like three of us at, there at the time. Maybe I don't know, but he really likes some. And I was like, I think they got, he got brought up when we were like, cause I was like changing the music on the speaker or whatever. 
and, and I was like, I haven't listened to them forever. Played it. It's like, oh yeah. And then the other the other friend was like, yeah, this is. I don't mind this. So I mean, it was a pretty positive reaction. I mean, yeah, it had been a while since I had listened. It's kind of you know listening to stuff like that, especially in a group setting, generally never works. <laughs> Yeah. Generally, like a room clearer, unless it, the people that are listening to it with you already have an appreciation for it. It's not like that. Hey, have you guys heard some White House? Well, this throw it on, but there's always a joke. Like, lots of times, whenever like, like we're hanging, like we'll be hanging out like as a group. There's always a joke, and it'll be said like at least one time in the night, like. So when are we putting on power electronics? Like it's said at least once a night, like whenever we hang out. So, and like it's said ironically, but at the same time, unironically, because like, well, it's like, yeah, I mean, like we all have like decently similar in some like, we overlap a lot with lots of the stuff we listen to, so. Swirlies, which is old. Tweeties, which is old. And White House, which is old. Are you listening to any current stuff? Have you heard anything like new that you're like, ah? Uniform. Oh, there's the Uniform mm-hmm. album. That's new. I like that stuff. a lot. Yeah. yeah. That's good stuff. I've been listening to the Uniform. Um, I've rediscovered uh, Men's Recovery Project. Oh, yeah, Talk which I. About that. Still, yeah. I still need to listen which to is, at times, power violence, at times, ego anyway. At times, at times, it's little programming from your laptop for what the vocals are done by the words typed out and just read by the So it's pre AI music. Yes, absolutely. If you're not familiar with an intro, project. Fingers. Who were kind of a seminal Richmond, Virginia, via New York State Very famous in the late 80s, early 90s, maximum rock and roll scene. And it was like. That, that project turned into like a two-man drummer with synthesizers Definitely not for everyone. Um, but so I've kind of rediscovered that. What else have I been listening to? I mentioned the uniform thing, which is good. Um, I went back, been listening to Arc Welder, which was uh, another touch-and-go band that was out of the Midwest that were kind of um, very much like remind reminiscent of like Husker Du, a little more polished metallic guitar sounds. Same era, there was like uh, uh, as like Tar and some of the other '90s touch and go bands, kind of rediscovered that. It, it's weird listening to it now. It seems a lot poppier now in a weird way to me, but still good. Um, 
I know. I'm listening still to the Malcolmus album a little bit. I'm still liking yeah, it. Yeah, I still never really gave that a shot from the get go, which is my fault. But I feel like we've both listened to newer stuff semi recently. I know. I know. I can't remember um, much of what I've been listening to, honestly. Um, I could pull up my phone and probably figure out exactly what I've been. Oh, I listened. I guess this is semi new. Um, I listened again to um, what are they called? Um, the lizards, not the lizards, but um, remember on Jimmy's YouTube account, right? What are they called? It's like lizard or something like that but it's just like pretty straightforward stuff but that's really good I mean he still puts out stuff a lot right completely blank what's it called listen to uh I think I did I something like it was a bank campaign what it was it's good stuff oh yeah I'll have to pick it out Uh, yeah, I've been listening a lot to those things where you um, can edit in. Uh, gotcha. In the scope. The Blizzard Band. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've been listening to Old Unsane. Yeah. I've been listening to Old Hammerhead because I've been trying to write these lyrics for this oh, project. Yeah. Well, I've been listening. At some point, I want to do. Yeah. If I can get my ass in gear. That would be great. Yeah. All right, yeah. And then a lot of the bands on the um, the AMREP compilation. Right, right. Oh, on the Dope Guns. Yeah. Comp, right. Because there was a lot of bands on there, which I had not heard of before, which I was like, that needs to not be. Jonestown. I always go back to that Jonestown sound. So good. Gas Huffer. Gas Huffer, so good. Yeah. The Crows. Oh, yeah. Um, what's their face from the open track from Seattle, from the West? The, uh, uh, before Nirvana. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, so it's really you. The you know. Oh, yeah. That is the first song from, uh, Luke Katie Goat. Now, Lubricated Goat went back and re-recorded like their, some of their older songs at some point. And kind of basically redid their first album later. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It killed me. Like, because I love the, uh, the song that's on the top. Bad Times. They redid that. It just destroyed it in my mind's eye. I'm like, why, why, why'd you do that? Wait, yeah. Which band on there did the song about the nun, the nuns? Uh, the dwarves. Yeah, that one's good. The dwarves uh, played up in Cincinnati back in their heyday, and they were infamous for showing up to plays in there. Just absolutely causing bad Sometimes playing less than 10 minutes. And they can't leave the bases now. Which is kind of their demo. Like, can we piss off our own fans? Which is a, a whole color. Keep me up the plastic, I'm on my ass. 
thanks. I thanks for giving me your money. Now I will uh, try and alienate you. Yeah. Too soon. I mean, that's one way to not have to worry about selling out. That's true. Yeah. Everyone hates you. Yeah. So yeah, we kind of covered what we've been listening to. So I guess this first episode's just been kind of music talk. Yeah. I mean, we had no plan. Yeah. Well, I, I think we I succeeded. Had no plan, yeah. I think we succeeded then. I think yeah. we met all of our non-existent goals. Well, I'm glad we're not selling out. In this I don't episode. feel like we're selling out unless I don't feel unless like, LA. I don't feel like we're selling. Yeah, out. unless unless L8 uh, one would like to chip in something. I'm not exactly sure what they would get in return, but um, yeah. So we're extremely willing to sell out. Okay, so I guess we should do all the, the things that you're supposed to do with the podcast. Again, this thing's called Ear Bash. It's kind of a father-son weekly get-together, just talking about uh, the B's and the S's, the bulls and the shits. Uh, talked a lot about music and uh, if music means anything to us and why, and I think we can agree it does, right? I mean, it means something, right? For sure, I mean, yeah. I kind, kind of dig it. So, um, and we'll make the podcast available on all the usual places eventually, and you'll be able to subscribe to it, but it'll be on iTunes and, you know, Stitcher and Podflarb. I'm just making words up now. Because you kids, you know, do you want to be on my podcast? You kids. Yeah, you kids and, and, and your podcasting. But anyway... You'll be able to do it at all the usual places, and um, and then, you know, next week we'll talk about other stuff or the same stuff or um, even more esoteric, uh, boring crap. Who knows? But anyway, Ear Bash, I'm Tread, that's Holden, and um, I guess we'll talk to you about, um, what do you want to talk about next week? Can we preview anything? Um... I mean, it seems like people like talking about serial killers on podcasts. Yeah, I think we'd be dipping into an area that we're not... Let's just uh, pull out an unsolved crime and, and then solve it right here somehow. If I didn't research the random case. I think maybe just start pointing fingers. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, without any real proof. <laughs>